0: This is The Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Now, here's Jason Jones.
1: Aloha, everybody, and welcome to The Jason Jones Show. I am your host, Jason Jones, broadcasting from the beautiful and balmy hill country of Texas. I don't know if you can hear it, but I can feel it. I got a bit of a bounce in my step today. Maybe you hear the bounce in my voice. What is that, Jason? What happened? Did you win the lottery? No, it's just 100 degrees with 100% humidity here in Hill Country. And a lot of folks, they hate heat. They hate humidity. But I'm not, I'm not kidding you. That's why I'm always wearing a tank top when I do this show. Because I like it when it's hot. It can never be too hot or too humid for me. But anyways, I have digressed. Um, We are going to have an incredible interview with a wonderful woman, Tracy Robinson, who has a new must-see movie coming out in theaters next week, The Matter of Life, and it tackles what issue? It tackles the issue of abortion, and it is one of the most beautiful documentaries I have ever seen, and this young woman really is the director and the producer, and it's going to be on over 600 screens. Next week, on May 17th and 18th, you have to go to matteroflife.org and buy your tickets. And it's an incredible film. Um, And Tracy is, is an incredible and interesting person. So stay tuned for a great interview. But before we do that, we have some sponsors. And we have a new sponsor today to announce. It's the first thing I read every morning and I check in on all day. What is it? What do you think it is? You're right. It's the Epic Times. If you do not subscribe to the digital and print I have the digital and print. Why do I have the print? Because I want my children to read it. So I leave it laying around. I also get their magazine Essence. I leave it laying around. Why? Because I want my children to read it and they do. You need to subscribe to the Epic Times. The best source for news in the world. And to subscribe, you just go to their website, I read epoch.com. I read epoch.com. Or you can say I read epic. It's a big debate in the Jones household if it's epic or epoch. I mean, of course, it reads epoch times, right? But I think everyone just calls it epic. But you go to I read epic.com. Use the code Jason Jones. You're buying pillows, it's Jones. You're subscribing to Epoch Times, it's Jason Jones. So you go to iReadEpoch.com, use the code Jason Jones, you get 20% off you need to subscribe to Epoch Times. Also, over there at MyPillow.com, they got to buy one, get one free. Use the code Jones, My, you get the Giza Dream sheets, the mattress toppers, Don't think there's buy one, get one free on the mattress toppers. I should check. That would be amazing, and I would do that right now because it's a great product. But you get the Geezer Dream Sheets. Go to um, mypillow.com. Use the code JONES. And as always, this episode is being brought to you by the Vulnerable People Project, standing in solidarity with the most vulnerable, from the child in the womb, to the children in the Nuba Mountains, to Chinese occupied East Turkestan with the Uyghur, to our shelters in western Ukraine, where our uh, safe houses across Pakistan and Afghanistan, where families are being sheltered from the Taliban. When you are a monthly donor to the Vulnerable People Project, you can know that you are standing with the most vulnerable people in the world. And we need you because the demand has become overwhelming. Just today we had to buy another refrigerated truck for Ukraine that a religious order asked for. Uh, because they needed um, insulin and food, we're probably going to need to buy another one as well. Um, but go to uh, thegreatcampaign.org, become a monthly donor. All right, now it's time for my interview with the great Tracy Robinson on her on her film Matter of Life. It's the Jason Jones Show. Tracy Robinson, welcome to the Jason Jones Show.
0: Thanks for having me, Jason.
1: It is a privilege to have you on my show because, I don't know if you know, you're someone I greatly admire. Thanks. And I'm having you on because Dinesh D'Souza has a new movie called Two Mules about how you stuffed the ballots at a film festival to beat my movie, (laughs) Divided Hearts of America.
0: That's a good one. Yeah. (laughs) You beat me. Look look at how
1: magnanimous (laughs) I am.
0: Oh man, yeah, Zuckerberg was in on it and everything.
1: Zuckerberg, look, it was you, Zuckerberg. I want to I should set the <laughs> stage. We're having you on to talk about your beautiful film, The Matter of Life, probably one of the best pro-life, if not the best pro-life documentary ever. If I can say that, like in disrespect myself, but it's it's definitely one of the best documentaries. Not pro-life documentary. it's one of the best documentaries I have ever seen. The timing wow, couldn't thank be you. better. You and I right. went head-to-head, head-to-head, <laughs> Divided Hearts of America, The Matter of Life, at a film festival, and a lot of filmmakers say, I don't care about film festivals, <laughs> but I'm a jock, and so to me everything is competitive, right? But right. I, I, our film had already had distribution, so I was, I was actually glad that you won, even though, according to Nesh D'Souza's new documentary, Two Mules, uh, you and Mark Zuckerberg, it was a, it was a big thing. Uh, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big man I'm going to look past it but I was so glad that you won because I think that may have play, winning the festivals that you've won and all the attention you're getting led to getting distribution and it's hard to get distribution for a film like this but True. God's timing could it even ever it, could it have been better no it's just it's, no, it's really
0: it's really amazing but I'm not surprised at this point because that's how it's has the this I time. Yeah, the, the festival awards, the best documentary, on the Sanctity of Life Award, and, and they were gracious enough to give it a, an Audience Choice Runner Up. at This is all at Christian Worldview Film Festival, so those accolades really uh, sparked just some attention and led the path to getting distribution eventually. So yeah,
1: and, and 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 as you know, I don't know if you knew this going into making a film, but A lot of people don't understand getting distribution in a theater is a huge thing. You know, for every 10,000 films, 600 will make it to a screen.
0: Right. Yeah. And so we were really blessed to get on board and partner with revelation media to distribute this film. Um, We uh, met Mark Harper at the film festival and he was, really generous to knock on doors for us uh, and got a lot of doors closed. Um, but we figured out, look, Revelation Media, they're passionate about this and they want to help and partner with us. And um, and then Fathom came on board for the, for the theatrical. And uh, the people there that work there, it's not a Christian um, organization, but there are Christians that work there. Who's that? Who's really, not? Who's not? at an event
1: oh yeah no they're um, not but they're great they've been yeah. great to our types of films right yeah
0: they know what sells they know you know what people want to go see and so they're not going to really be political about their preferences and so um, they've been really uh, awesome in that they're taking on this film and this topic
1: no and by the way mark harper is a saint and he's worked on some yeah. of my favorite movies so whenever mark harper calls me i smile and he, he is the kind of guy that I'd like to be. Um, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, what? definitely. Yeah, he, he definitely, yeah. since this is, my, this is my first feature length film, doing anything with distribution, marketing, all that stuff, it's, I'm, it's definitely a new world for me. So he, it, was ama- it was sort of God's providence also that he was there in the room to see the film. And so he took it on himself to help um, me and my team to knock on doors that we could never get a hold of. Um, so, uh, that's really what, what, um, started it was that film festival. So some people think they don't need to submit their film to a film festival. Sometimes it's beneficial. So in this case, it really was.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's being a part of a community of filmmakers. That's and, right. and it's, I think it's a respectful thing to do to submit your film to film festivals yeah, that's right. and it, It knits you together with other filmmakers, and it's good for the industry. Um, But as you found out, practically speaking, I have a career as a filmmaker because Bella won the Toronto International Film Festival, and if we didn't win the Toronto International Film Festival, Bella would have gone straight to DVD. You would have found it at the bin, at, like, truck stops, (laughs) you know, in the middle of nowhere.
0: (laughs) Right, uh, right, right.
1: And we would have never had a theatrical release. We would have never been on Good Morning America or Inside, you know, all of that, that accolades that we received were because of a, a film festival. I mean, it, it really, it really does matter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was a great time. It was just a really, um, just, it was nice to just receive that, those accolades and that reward just for all that, um, all that work. It, the idea sparked in 2016. So uh, to, to get an award in 2021 was pretty, pretty awesome and pretty surreal. So well, um, first then, of all, of that's course.
1: not yeah. that much time. Okay, so Tracy, I want to talk about yeah. you. First of all, I want to I set this up for the audience. you got to go to the Matter of Life website, which is thematteroflife.org, thematteroflife.org. We have already, um, I use Atomic Tickets. I've already purchased out half a theater in my community. I'm going to be buying out several theaters for our, our theater captains who've been good to us over the years um, because we really, really want to support your film. And if you're listening to this right now, you need to go to the website, thematteroflife.org. You need to become an ambassador. You need to follow them. Uh, But you also need to go to Fathom Events and purchase as many tickets as you can make sure there are people in the theater. And this is good for kids of all age. But before um, we get, or as Disney would say, it's good for dreamers of all age. Before we get to your movie, though, I want to talk about you, because you just said two things there that were packed for me. You said, finally... You know, a journey that started in 2016 for you, which that's about average, right? So six, seven years is the average time Mm -hmm. it takes from uh, script to screen. That's average. So you did it about how long it takes every movie. But did you expect it to take this long?
0: Uh, Definitely not. I didn't actually give the length of time it was going to take much thought, but I didn't think it was going to be six or seven years, you know, um, before anything would come to fruition or, you know, people would start seeing it. Um, I really didn't, uh, I was not engaged in the pro-life movement. I was not, um, really particularly concerned about abortion. It was, uh, not a big deal in the grand scheme of things to me. And I've always been in film and video production though, uh, primarily as a documentary video editor. And, um, I was commissioned on and off to do uh, promotional videos and testimonials for a pregnancy resource center in Ventura, California. And I had never heard of a pregnancy center before, um, but I was really inspired by what they were doing to help women and uh, to help them in their pregnancies. And it wasn't until my friends at the pregnancy center, the staff there, they invited me to an apologetic night, uh, an apologetics conference, and the topic was going to be the case against abortion. And so I thought, well, I'll go check it out and see what my pro-life friends are talking about. And in less than two hours, the speaker, Alan Schliemann of Stand to Reason, he gave a clear, concise argument for the full humanity of the unborn child from the moment of conception. Uh, And it completely blew my mind just how simple it was. He didn't need to use Bible verses. Uh, it was just so clear, the logic of the pro-life message. And at one point, he invited us to look at abortion imagery, uh, you know, the aftermath of abortion. And that was just the reality and the, the truth really, really struck me and dawned on me. And in that moment, I was it was downloaded to me, so to speak, this vision that this needed to be a feature-length documentary, uh, because I knew there were so many people in my shoes, young adults who uh, went their whole life without hearing the, the basic pro-life message. Um, maybe they, were, they went to public school like I did. Uh, their parents never broached these difficult topics. And of course, they never heard it in church, uh, even though I, went to, I grew up in church and never heard this topic. So um, I, I knew there was an audience that needed this message to be conveyed to them in a way that was compelling. And so that's where research began. I uh, didn't know anything about Roe v. Wade or the truth behind Planned Parenthood, so I just went on this discovery journey and wanted to fit what I was learning into a film. So, so, so that's what, yeah. So this was
1: 2016. Um, you have this aha moment. You can you consider I, you considered yourself, I guess, a pro-choice Christian.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you were asked, you would have said, "I'm personally pro-life." But, yeah. Yeah.
0: I. I I mean, I think I was of the mentality that if I, I mean, I would never get an abortion, but who am I to enforce my beliefs on the others? And I couldn't imagine it ever being illegal. That's just, that's just wild. You know, that was my mentality back then. That now, was you, it's were, strange to think, were you pro-life it was,
1: for you just because I'm a Christian and we don't do those things? Or did you mm-hmm. think about I, human development and you, you you didn't want to be involved in something like an abortion? Or was it just like it's not for who I'm a Christian. We don't do those things, but we also don't, you know, uh, go to casinos and, uh, shotgun, um, beer at parties with our friends. Was it like that? Like, Oh, we don't do that. That's not for us. Or was it, or did you think deeper than that?
0: Yeah, that's a very good question. I don't think I gave it that much thought to be honest. Um, I think I maybe, always knew I wanted kids or, and, or it's just not something that Christians, we know that God values life. And so that's, you know, I just knew that it wasn't an option for me or, um, thankfully I was never in that situation to to make that choice. Um, but I think I was in a, a uh, very common shoes where people just don't give it that much thought, um, really until they're in that situation. Uh, they don't they're not challenged to think deeply about this issue, and so that's really really where I was at
1: Now, when you were making these videos for uh, this pregnancy resource center, did you early on were you making these just thinking you were telling great stories about a, an organization that helps women who want to choose life? Did you even understand that it, this was in some way this pregnancy center involved in the abortion debate
0: yeah i I knew that they were pro-life i I loved what they were, I thought it was just beautiful, like, uh, redeeming, you know, rescuing women out of crisis and allowing them to uh, choose life. You know, how can you argue with that? How can you be be against that? Although they're, as we see in the news right now, and in social media, there's a lot of people that are against that. But um, I was just being inspired uh, by what they were doing. And then I was also intrigued by they had a post abortive, bible study for women so women who've had abortions in their past uh they were they had this program where they can come and and find healing uh in, in the and it was a bible study so they just found healing in the scriptures and the word of god um and i thought wow abortion seems to really hurt a lot of women it's just you know everybody i meet uh at the pregnancy center a lot of them a lot of the women there had had abortion in their past um i just it, real, it, it occurred to me that this is something people regret. <clears throat> and it was just an issue that I had never really explored for myself. So um, that was my first eye-opening. But I wasn't really uh, – I wasn't really um, – I, I thought the abortion issue was so nuanced I couldn't wrap my head around it until I went to that conference.
1: Interesting. Well, you know, one of the statistics that was most striking to me um, and I took so many i 'm looking through my notes, like oh my gosh i'm I rewrote your script I rewrote the whole thing out but one one of the statistics that kind of slapped me was only seven percent seventy eight percent i think it's se- it said seven or to eight percent of Christian women who have abortions tell anyone and that yeah. was that i think that was a, a human coalition study I forget. But it was striking to me, or maybe Karenette. Mm -hmm. but it was striking to me that so many of our friends have had abortions, are having abortions, but they're never going to tell anybody.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. I think that, and I've learned that more and more as I've promoted this film and shown this film, is there's even people in pregnancy care organizations working on the front lines, uh, you know, helping women and rescuing babies. But you can't go there with them. They, it's a, their past abortion is a secret, and it's their secret. Um, uh, and to confront it would just be to maybe reveal their shame, or their. Um, it, it would just be un, they can't deal with it. But um, I think there's tremendous healing. And what I've experienced with um, mother or um, women who've seen this film, who've had abortions in their past, there's uh just this excitement that they have they're some of the biggest advocates for this film um because they recognize that uh this film is a way to prevent uh the pain and the regret they have had because there's education in there and there's um you just get a you get your worldview completely transformed with this movie um you know you can't unsee this movie so um and then, of course, it's empowering. That's the feedback that I've gotten from women who've watched this. Uh, they're they're suddenly empowered to talk about it and to tell other women their experience. Um, Annie Tang Humphrey of of Save the Stork, CEO of Save the Stork, uh, when she first pre-screened this movie, it really emboldened her and inspired her to share her story with uh, a women's conference. And there were women that came up to her. Who had been hiding? Who had been a secret for 50 years that they've had an abortion? They've never told anybody, um, and you could just sense the tremendous release that people had that they could finally talk about it. Um, so the more people are are uh, open and honest with their story, the more that allows others to be open and honest and um, and give them the freedom to get that off their shoulders. And there's just just tremendous forgiveness uh, in the person of Jesus Christ, and people have to remember that. Um, that this is not their burden to carry um you know that 's for Christ to carry on his shoulders on the cross,
1: yeah, I mean the pro life movement is driven and led by uh women who've had abortions, right, just not addled by their yeah. pain and <clears throat> and not wanting to see other women Absolutely. suffer similar pain and Absolutely. something um that's with the the subtlety and beauty of the language um and the voice of the narrator so so beautiful. Um, but when you, going back to post-abortion, what's incredible is I feel like everyone in my life has been involved in abortion directly. And so you, we don't want to diminish what abortion is, right? It's the intentional direct killing right. of an innocent human life. While at the same time, uh, our young people or all of us have been lied to by our religious leaders, by our political leaders, by our judges, by the media. And so in a way, it's it's not a personal sin. It's something that we've all together corporately participated in yet the women are left alone to feel the pain and suffering of what is really the fruit of all of us um our, our sexually permissive culture um you know the the courts lying religious leaders lying so the young woman goes in has the abortion and she's being cheered on through the door of the abortion clinic but when she comes out for the rest of her life it's something she deals with alone
0: Right, and um, that's just the story. That's just the story that I hear over and over and over again. Is uh, she feels that she had no other choice, and that's often the the there's a the film breaks down statistics and um, it surveys just what women were feeling at the time that they had to make that decision, and sixty over sixty percent of them felt pressure, and um, I think that it's so important to. Uh, connect women with resources to make sure that she knows that they're there in her community, that there's other options for her. There is support for her, and so that's something that this film does is we we show the beautiful resources in the pro-life community in the pregnancy help world. Um, you know that we um, debunk that argument um, that pro-lifers don't really care about you know the baby after after the baby's born. Um, because the, we are serving that woman. Um, so you can't tell us that we don't care about women because uh, we're serving her in her time of need and we're, um, we're allowing her to choose life for her son or daughter. You know, that's a very empowering choice. Um, and so the, the movie sheds light on that. Um, and I just want people to walk away with not only the education, uh, of what of when human life begins and why we should care about abortion, but also, look, there's hope and there's ways that um, you can get involved that makes a difference. And so no matter what you've experienced in your past, um, you can turn it around, God can turn it around and use that for the good of, you know, the good of others to rescue others. So...
1: Yeah, your film changed my mind on on something. You know, I've always kind of said tongue in cheek. I don't believe in pro life apologetics, and mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is, you know, the pro life movement, just like the abolitionist movement and the and the movement to end de- legal desegregation in the United States, uh, came out of the church. And I entered mm-hmm. the pro life movement as a young atheist. And when I would hear Christians talk about pro life apologetics, I'd say. Yeah, you need apologetics to, uh, to explain to me how God is three persons in one and the, and the second person of the Trinity hovered over a woman in Israel and conceived, um, you know, Jesus Christ, da-da-da-da-da, um, the, the Holy Spirit hovered over. You, you need apologetics to explain your theology to me. I get that. But you don't need to, apologetics to explain to me the direct intentional killing of a vulnerable child in the womb is wrong. Uh, I, I don't, I don't need apologetics for that. So I used to say that as an atheist, I said, you know, we're going to end abortion through persuasion, through, th- through media, through entertainment, through Coca-Cola doesn't use apologetics to get us to buy their sugary, uh, you know, yeah. laced caffeine, laced drinks, right? They, they used uh, propaganda techniques and that's what we need to do. So that's what I've always, that's why I started movies. Um, But when I was watching Scott Klusendorf and uh, that other gentleman from Stand to Reason, I think, I think it's even apologetics is the wrong word for what they're doing, what they're, what, you know, it's just how to communicate when people are, are trying to evade the truth where apologetics is, you know, you're working with people who want to desperately know the truth. There was a line in there that somebody said, why do we, claim confusion and I thought that was very clever we claim confusion about when human life begins and I think she used that word claim because I mean do we really believe there is confusion and if there was confusion they would be seeking clarity but instead they're, they're gas you know the abortion industry resorts to gaslighting and right. is constantly trying to distract us from the issue which is as you said in your film um Oh, you know well, what? Did you in the beginning of the film? What is what is what is this? Is what this, is the unborn? What is the unborn? So, if there was confusion, if they thought we were confused, they would seek clarity. But <laughs> I, I think they feign confusion, right? And we all share a clarity right. on when the biological beginning of a human person is, right?
0: Yeah, and I think that's really what uh, the basis of Roe v. Wade and how it got passed was. They just decided to uh, claim confusion, as you said they decided they didn't need to figure out when a human life begins, even though it was written in biological textbooks at that time too. Uh, The science was clear at that time, Um, but the court, the high court of our country decided to just leave that up to interpretation to just not get into it, uh, which is just so irresponsible. Um, That's really the basis of our problem today uh, with abortion being legal. We just were not willing to look at it, even though we know when, Dogs and cats and all these other creatures, we know when their life begins. In vitro fertilization specialists, they know when life begins. The biology textbooks are clear, but for some reason, if, if uh, I, I, I smash a a,
1: reason. If I smash a, an egg of a California condor, right. they, they know when that life began, That's right? That's
0: right. That's absolutely right. So it's a, it's a unwillingness of the heart, really. Um, it's this willful blindness is what really is the problem. And it began at Roe v. Wade. It's just, um, it's, and it, we're still feeling the effects of that today.
1: You know, and there's something else. I, I love just the writing, and e- and each of the folks you interviewed, it was they were artful. It was just, it was perfect. And uh, one, I believe, woman you were interviewing talked about, um, or maybe it was the narrator, that it's a separate. Obviously, the child and the woman is distinct from the mother, but it, but it was there was this phrase but we have to acknowledge but but of course the baby puts demands on the woman's body. And I, and I and I I really like that you had that in there because I think that's something we as pro-lifers I think if we really get down to it with those we disagree with on abortion is not when is the biological beginning of the human person but really it comes down to the demands the child in the womb puts on the mother and then what is the mother's duty to that child in her womb that is putting demands on her. It is, we're mammals, right? We're, we're, uh, this is just the reality of how we create life. And so it does place a burden on the woman. Pregnancy places demands and places a burden on the woman. This is true.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I was really adamant about the voice of the documentary being, uh, compassionate to the other side, to people's, reservations about abortion or their concerns about abortion you know there is legitimate concern about her rights and there's a legitimate concern about her body uh, because we've heard these euphemisms all you know all our lives Um, those are things that we we worry about so and I didn't want to to just say oh it's not her body it's the baby's body that we're killing um, without leaving the mother out of that equation so, um, yeah, we, we say that, of course, the mother's body is very involved in that pregnancy. Um, so we didn't, we didn't want to um, ignore that fact. But there is another body involved at stake here. And so um, that's what I wanted to open people's eyes to, to kind of unravel this issue instead of beating them over the head.
1: Yeah, because I think that just gets down to it. I have often said, to, you know, when I'm at these rallies, protests, that I look at. I said to, I say to myself, when I look at the other side, hissing and screaming and yelling, or trying to punch me, or um, I think, wow, they are as committed as I am to justice, to the common good, and to women, but we just radically disagree on a few things, and maybe most of our society is just out to lunch on this. But those of us that are face-to-face, um, you know, yelling and back and forth at each other with our different signs, really probably share more in common with most pe- than most people because we're willing to stand out, take risks um, for the common good. And Bill Maher this week said something about how he talked about how we have to acknowledge it's a life in the womb, that that's a life. And if you're pro-life, it's because you love babies, and if you're pro-choice, it's because you love women. Now, I don't think Bill Maher actually loves women. I think what he's saying is, uh, you want, um, you know, sex without consequences, the guarantee of no consequences, is what he he was saying. And I bet you he's such an honest guy. If you were ta- drilling down with him, he'd probably shrug his shoulders and say, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Um, But, but this is what we have to help folks understand, right? That there are consequences to having an abortion and those consequences are worse than choosing life. And so if you care about women and if you take the worst case scenario, a young minor girl is molested by her father and is pregnant. And, um, you know, I'm sure there are people that are in the pro in the, in the pro choice movement that they have experiences like that, that, that propel them forward. And it's why they're so energetic for this cause. And, and, um, but what they have to understand is that 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 abortion didn't liberate them from the abuse and, right. and destroyed a child. And then there were physical and psychological repercussions that that woman is going to have to deal with. And then why is adoption right. never presented as an option?
0: That's right. Yeah, I think that that's also an issue I wanted to address was the rape and the rape exception that a lot of pro-life Christians often have is what I've observed in my time doing this Um, and so I wanted to bring in a woman who was raped when she was in ninth grade uh, by a boy she was talking to Um, and uh, her story not only shows that you can choose life in a a horrible circumstance and be okay um, but also the adoption option because she chose to have an open adoption And a lot of people don't even know, have never even heard of an open adoption. When I started researching uh, for this film, I knew what adoption was, obviously, but I didn't understand what an open adoption was. That had never occurred to me that you could do that. You know, that's just how in the dark I was on the whole pro-life world and all the resources available to her. Um, So... I, that's what I wanted to communicate as well with this film is, look, it's, this is a very troubling circumstance. We don't wish it on anyone. But like you're saying, the, we should punish the rapist, not the child, for that, for that atrocity. Um, you know, I, personally, I believe rapists should be castrated and, and given a death sentence. You know, I, I, um, I think that, that that is the justice that they deserve. Um, but as far as the, the child, that, that's innocent life and, uh, not deserving of this, you know, that consequence. And it's, you're right, it's two traumas inflicted on a woman. It's, you know, and it's also enabling of the abortion industry. Um, there's so many, um, uh, there's so many t- instances where Planned Parenthood is not reporting sex trafficking and child abuse. And so it's enabling it's enabling a lot of evil, um, so but with the film i I didn't want to not address this great issue because that is probably the most common um, excuse or a common concern that people have about abortion and getting abortion.
1: That's what I loved about your film it 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 seamlessly weaves together almost every issue. I don't think anything is left out and uh, and what else what I really liked about your documentary was it's covering of this progressive the surge of progressive activists into the pro-life movement in many ways they're reanimating the pro-life movement and they're the most activist and active element of the pro-life movement which probably sets surprises some people I was just at the Supreme Court um, when the um, when the Supreme Court uh, brief was leaked I went straight to the Supreme Court for my friends uh, viewing from her wake and. I was, it was, you know, led by, and the only activists I saw there were progressive. And by progressive, I mean trans activists who are pro-life, LGBT pro-lifers. Teresa Pakovniak, who's an animal rights activist, anti-abortion activist. And at one point I heard some of the police officers staring at both sides of the protest, and they were confounded. They said, who's who? Well, we can't tell the difference between the two sides. They were really... (laughs) confused. Um, was it surprising for you to discover groups like uh, Teresa Pakovniak and her friends?
0: Absolutely. So that was one thing that inspired me when I first heard the pro-life message from Alan Schliemann was that he didn't need to use Bible verses. And I thought, Hey, I could, this movie could be communicated to everybody. Uh, this is a message that everybody can hear and learn the truth about. And then in my research, uh, I discovered secular pro-life and feminists for life. Um, and then eventually down the road, I met Teresa at a conference and um, she founded Pro-Life San Francisco. And now it's um, the progressive anti-abortion uprising. <clears throat> but these people were, uh, Teresa, especially in and, and her tribe, they are so passionate. They know that this is violence, violence against a, a victim. <clears throat> They recognize the truth and the reality, and they're some of the most outspoken people on this issue. Uh, and they're inspiring the Christians. You know, Teresa is featured in the film, uh, and Pro Life San Francisco is featured in the film. Uh, just to make the point that do you really need to be a Christian to be pro life? And the answer is no. Um, so look at all these wonderful people making their voices heard. Um, so, uh, the target audience for me is actually Christians. Um, I want to point that, you know, to look at Teresa as the example. Look, we need to we need to really get on the front lines on this issue because it is so important.
1: Yeah, our faith doesn't tell us that abortion is wrong or that using the Uyghur to make Nike shoes is wrong or, or enslaving <laughs> right. Muslim minorities. But what our faith does tell us is that what we know to be Violence to the vulnerable, when we see violence to the vulnerable, as Christians, we are, it is a demand, it is a duty to stand with them, to stand with the outcast, to kiss the leper. Um, And so, no, it's not our faith that tells us that it's wrong. Of course, the pagan Greeks understood um, the Hippocratic Oath, you know, before the gospel of Jesus Christ condemned Mm -hmm. abortion. Um, And even before the New Testament was compiled in the third century, I think the oldest extant document of our faith is the Didache, uh, which were notes, I believe, of um, like a little catechism that Peter's students put together. And there it clearly forbids abortion. And it wasn't that Jesus said anything new about biology. It's that they knew that abortifacients destroyed a life in the womb and that that was to be rejected. That was to be opposed. So yeah, as Christians, we're just compelled. uh, You know, we're compelled to stand with the outcast. We're compelled to serve the vulnerable. We're compelled to stand with the widow, with the orphan, with the child in the womb, with the Uyghur. Um, But you don't have to be a Christian to know that it's wrong to destroy the most vulnerable member of the human family.
0: That's right. Yeah. The, like Teresa and you know, the, the more left leaning pro life activists, you know, they recognize this as discrimination. And it's just a, such a practical way of looking at it because it is. Um, it's victimizing a segment of the population that has no voice and no rights. Um, and yes, as Christians, I, I agree with you. We can be the hands and feet of Jesus on this with the abortion issue. And that's why it's so disheartening or sad that many churches aren't engaged on this issue, on this issue of abortion, um, because it's such an opportunity to love such a huge um, segment of their, of their congregation. You know, four in 10 women who've had an abortion in their past were churchgoers in the month they became pregnant. That was a huge epiphany to me when I learned that. Um, so, yeah, like you're saying, we have this opportunity to, to love people. Um, and to rescue people that can't rescue themselves, to be a voice for the voiceless. Um, Christ came and rescued us when we couldn't help ourselves. And so we can model that when it comes to pro-life work.
1: Yeah, and it's sorrowful, isn't it, that we as Christians, you look at, um, and, I, and I, maybe I'm going on my own personal little tangent here, but I see a direct line from Roe v. Wade to our catastrophes in our foreign policy, like abandoning Afghanistan. Um, you know, just this week now, women are, are, were ordered to cover themselves head to toe with not without their, their eyes cannot even be seen. Um, and we are, as a country are silent, uh, we are silent on major American corporations like Nike partnering with slave labor, using slave labor to sell us their crap in our box stores. We're, 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 we're blind to that. And I really, maybe I'm naive, but I think if there was no Roe v. Wade, there would be no market for Uyghur slave products in the United States. We wouldn't have just turned our back and skipped away from Afghanistan knowing that that country would collapse into hell on earth. And so I think it's linked. And then I, we as Christians, we have learned abortion has taught us maybe the wrong lesson. And it's taught us to stand away, stand away from those controversies step away from controversial issues that may get in our way to share the gospel when really that is sharing the gospel, right? Can you imagine telling Jesus, don't touch that leper. No one's going to want to come hear you. You can't go near lepers and think people are going to hang out with us. People are going to stand around and listen to you talk when they see you touching lepers all over town. People are going to flee from us. And um, so we treat the child in the womb like a leper, I think, in the church, that we don't want to be seen Uh, too close. Otherwise, people might not want to come near us.
0: It's really, it's really interesting, all the different dynamics. Um, I think that you're right. I think that the fact that we're not willing to protect the most vulnerable, like literally the most vulnerable person in our society, the unborn child, uh, the fact that the people in the church are not willing to look at the, inter- it, it, uh, the issue. Um, there it's just too sad, too gross, too icky. Um, it's, it's very inconvenient uh, to do anything about this. And then on the other side of this, it's stigmatized to, you know, to um, allow unplanned pregnancies, um, in a lot of church circles, uh, you know, that, that woman is outcast, that woman is shamed. Uh, I think we're getting away from that in large parts. I think that there's a lot of progress being made about showing her compassion, but I still think it's very much embarrassing and stigmatized. Um, and so, if we're, I think there's something to be said about that—that that direct line from Roe v. Wade to Afghanistan. Um, if we're as Ameri- if, we, if we as Americans are not willing to stand up for unborn life, the most precious, the most innocent life that there is. Um, what are we, I mean, it, it, may, it makes sense that we're not doing a whole lot on these other issues that uh, are involving, <clears throat> that are involving injustice and, and evil. So I think that's a good point.
1: Right. So if you're not going to stand with the child in the womb, you're not really going to stand with anyone. Because we're surrounded right. by people that <clears throat> are being victimized by the culture of death, by the abortion industry, right? They All around us, you walk down the street and we're a society of of walking wounded because of abortion. So if you're not going to run to the defense of the child in the womb, and it's you know it's so easy. Every community has a pregnancy center. And if yours is one of the few that don't, you should start one, but you probably do. Like every community has a pregnancy center. It's the easiest movement to get involved in and what's great is what social media has brought out something which I knew for a long time, but I guess in the past 15 years it's become really obvious thanks to social media. The pro life movement is the most diverse social movement in the world, period. End of story. There's no other social movement as ideologically, culturally uh, diverse in traditions, um, ethnicities. The pro life movement is so diverse, it's unbelievable, but the media does not let you see that. So you can get involved, right? It doesn't matter who you are, it, you can find your that's place right. in this movement.
0: That's right. And that's one thing we emphasize. And particularly at the end of the movie, we just show all the different ways that you can get involved and make a difference. And it doesn't have to be the way other people are involved. It can be the way that you're called according to your gifts and your talents and your resources. Um, From government to the care side to the student activist side, uh, testifying in court, uh, showing abortion imagery, just having these conversations, starting a group at your church. There's just so many ways um, to make a difference in someone's life and no matter what you've been through. So um, that's one thing I wanted to to leave with the audience was practical next steps.
1: Now what did you learn did you there was what was the most startling thing you learned in putting this film together about the abortion issue?
0: Yeah, I would say like I, we were talking about earlier, it was the disengagement of the American Church on this issue, particularly the Protestants. You Catholics are are very much on the front lines. You make up most of the pro-life movement. I would ar- argue, <laughs> um, but the when I learned, it was Brian Fisher's book the, uh, called "Deliver Us from Abortion." He did research and surveyed the country and discovered that over well over half of all major, uh, major Protestant denominations in America are pro-choice in that they are silent, completely silent on it. They will not take a stance or even talk about it or they actually do publicly make exceptions for abortion. And so that's, that just blew my mind. Um, It was such a strong epiphany for me. I, I realized maybe, Maybe God is having me make this film for the Christian church in America. You know, I really hope that and pray that um, many, many Christians are, are awakened to the gravity of this issue. <clears throat> and I thought, wow, it's no wonder that four in 10 women who've had an abortion in their past were churchgoers in the month they became pregnant, because they're not hearing about, they're not hearing the truth. You know, they're the church is not on the offense for their worldview on this issue. Um, understandably, like cr- Protestant churches, they're all about preaching the gospel and winning people to Jesus. But they also have to, I, I, they're not willing to confront this issue because it's so political. And of course, you don't, you don't want to hurt any feelings because so many women in church have had abortions. You know, it's just a snowball rolling down the hill. So um, that was something startling that I learned um, when making this film.
1: You know, the evangelical churches show up. I've been in the movement now over 30 years in, in, in waves. I used to joke when I was an atheist that every pro-life battle I'm in, it starts out with 90 Protestants, nine Catholics, and me. And every pro-life battle ends with eight Catholics, two Protestants, and me. Um, but, you know, you see the evangelical church kind of gets swept away in enthusiasms. So there's a lot of optimism and hope. We're going to end abortion. Let's go do this. And then... um you know you 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 quickly see um it just it's not that easy <laughs> and then okay let's do mm-hmm. something else that's maybe a little easier but i used to get frustrated by that but now i see no no it's important you know um the body of christ with all of its denominations uh, as a catholic we see all bat- trinitarian baptized christians as part of the body of christ um and it's important that we have sort of the reserves come in from time to time for key battles. And you see that in the evangelical church. And now we really see the ascendancy of these atheists and progressives. It's, it's very unusual to see what's, what's, what's happening what's happening in the movement. I think the other advantage the Catholic Church has, a friend of mine who just converted to Catholicism from a Congregationalist church pinged me this weekend from Mass. He said, oh, my gosh, it was unbelievable. The priest came out and just lectured everybody just yelled at us about something. I don't know what it was. He said, this, if this would have happened in my old church, we'd have had a meeting and he'd have been out by the next Sunday. <laughs> and That's funny. And I think it's sort of in the, the hierarchical structure that, um, and by the way, I would say most priests and most bishops in the Catholic Church lack the courage to clearly and consistently stand up to the culture of death. But those of us who are pro-life can point to the unchanging and unchangeable, clearly defined, inescapable teaching of the church on our duty to stand with the vulnerable, including the preborn child in the womb. And that's an advantage that we have. So even when members of the hierarchy try to silence us, you know we can point to the clear and unchanging teaching of the church going all the way back to the Didache. And there's nothing they can say to that.
0: Right. Yeah. And the Bible says that the, the enemy, the, the enemy of our souls, you know, the devil who hates mankind, he's, he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's exactly what abortion does. But Christ came that we can have life and have life abundant, to have eternal life. So without, <laughs> we, need to, we need to be rescuers of life. You know, we should never condone or make excuses for death in the Christian community. And so that's one. again, that's something that um, Christians just need to be aware of and start thinking about. Um, get out of the Fox News narrative and the social media and just think about this issue when it comes to your faith.
1: There's no better way to live your life than as a servant of the vulnerable. And one day we're going to become vulnerable. I hope I become vulnerable and just don't get hit by a bus. I hope I have the privilege of, as a friend recently said, taking the scenic route to the grave. <laughs> um, right. She knew she had cancer. She knew her, you know, her time was limited and she got to kind of, but it was a years long struggle. And she said she took this, she's taking the scenic route. Uh, I hope to have the privilege of allowing others to care for me and give me that humility. Um, and, you know, to be, that's what it is to be a human when we're in positions of strength we serve the vulnerable. When we're vulnerable, we graciously allow others to serve and protect us. That child in the womb, they're going to go go on to become very strong, intelligent, wealthy people. But in that moment in the womb, there's no one more vulnerable.
0: That's right. Mike Tyson in the womb was very vulnerable, right? Elon (laughs) Musk in the
1: womb was very vulnerable and uh, not weak, just in that stage in life, you're very vulnerable. And when, and when Mike Tyson's uh, 95 years old, uh, I'm not going to start a fight with him then, even then, but he, he's still going to be vulnerable, right? And then and it's our responsibility to live our lives in solidarity with the vulnerable and when we're vulnerable to allow others uh, to care for us.
0: That's right. Yeah, I totally agree.
1: What did you learn about filmmaking? This was a long process. You probably started out with, uh, have you ever seen Amazing Grace?
0: Yes, I love Amazing Grace.
1: So you know when, when William Wilberforce discovers Absolutely. his calling to, to end slavery and he's rolling around in the grass, he's like, I know what I'm to do with my life, and uh, oh, this yeah. is going to be magnificent. And his friend looks at him like he's crazy. Then flash forward in the <laughs> film 90 minutes, but much later in his life, and he's right. a prematurely aged, broken man as slavery's finally ended. Yeah, I feel that's, right. that's the arc of a filmmaker with every movie.
0: <laughs> Did you go through that arc? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, it, it took a long time because I was just a new filmmaker, well, been in film and video production, primarily as an editor, but in terms of distribution and marketing and putting together a film, particularly on this topic, uh, which was quite a bold choice, it was just kind of a stupid and crazy choice to um, take this topic on as my first film. Um, But it was that was the vision. That was the idea that kept staying with me. Um, So, uh, you know, it was a rocky journey. Uh, You know, the idea sparked in 2016. And I didn't really get around to shooting to filming until 2018. And I was working full time editing, uh, you know, and um, trying to sustain energy for a full time job and paying the bills and everything um but also had donors along the way that that put faith in the vision and um believed in me at least as a person <laughs> uh so they were gracious enough to help me um but yeah it was uh it was a learning experience all the way through i learned a lot of of what to do and what not to do for next time um i think that <clears throat> it was really god's orchestration and god's timing and his provision um, when it felt like I could not move any further, there was no funding, there was no money coming in. I didn't know how to get funding. He would provide the way. (laughs) And then it would confirm to me that, okay, this is still God's thing, not mine. Um, so there were many times where I felt like I'm not giving up. I don't feel like giving up, but I don't see how I can move forward. (laughs) Um, so it was never like, Oh, forget it. I'm, I'm moving on. It was just, I I need to move on, and I don't know how. Um, So, but in hindsight, it was all for it was all his you know his orchestration and his providence. And one of the biggest challenges in the beginning was getting people on board to work with me, or or film, or be on camera for this movie. Like I said, I'm an unknown director, unknown filmmaker, and so and of course, extremely difficult sensitive topic. So people did not trust you know, rightly so, people didn't trust me to handle it or they didn't trust me enough to be on camera. But I had a lot of people, people
1: call me to like vet who is this person? <laughs> <laughs> are they one of us? Yeah, Do you sure know you them? Did. Do you know them? Are they one right. of us?
0: Yeah, you never know. You never know where people are gonna how are people are gonna convey the issue, how they're gonna skew it. Are they undercover for the pro choice? you know for the abortion industry you never know um or maybe they're not going to do a great job you never know so um it really took some just willing candidates did did you have pro-life leaders that said no um yeah i yes but it took me having the people that said yes showing them who was on board then they would eventually say yes so if I got these people on board, they were on board. It was kind of like, okay, you have these other speakers. Okay. I guess I'm willing to go on. So, um, <laughs> but it was a little bit like walking on eggshells for some people. Um, but they took, they took, uh, they took faith in this project. Um, Dr. Anthony Levitino, who we feature in the film, he was especially apprehensive about this project. <laughs> um, he ha- he didn't really know who I was or what. How you know, powerful! He was
1: into. And he's such an important <laughs> yeah. part of the film. I was yeah. rocked at the end.
0: Yeah. I was absolutely rocked, and yeah,
1: I didn't know all of that, and that alone makes mm-hmm. it worthwhile. And I, my heart was broken, and I was rocked, and I actually made me think. I wonder if he's ever seen Bella. You know, because, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen our movie Bella, but it would touch him in yeah, two ways. It you would. know, in two ways. Mm-hmm. Don't want to give anything away, but. Um, wow. So yeah, I could see why that, that story that I don't know if he's ever shared that on camera before was very precious and made him extremely vulnerable. And, uh, I could see why he was afraid, you know, well, who is this, who is this person?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, at that point he had shared his story many times on camera and in courts. And, um, I discovered him through live action and Lila Rose, um, but I just thought more people need to hear this story and I want to include it in this documentary. Uh, and so, um, I think that, yeah, he, I mean, he just did wonderfully, but when he showed up, he was, he told me very straight that he wasn't sure he just had apprehension about what this is all about or what this, uh, the legitimacy of this movie. <clears throat> and so I just thank God that he was willing and gracious to do that. And that was before, Unplanned, he was in unplanned after that. Um, so um, yeah, and I that story really sticks with people forever, it's really powerful.
1: Yeah, it really moved me. Okay, so what were two things you learned, or one thing you learned not to do, one thing you learned to do as a filmmaker? You mm-hmm. said so you learned some things to do, things not to give us. As a filmmaker, mm-hmm. I'm taking notes, this is for me. So give me one thing you mm-hmm. learned to do, and one thing you learned mm-hmm. not to do.
0: Yeah, as a filmmaker. I would say build your team first. Um, build Just surround yourself with like-minded people as you do. Um, but I think as a filmmaker, I really started off alone on this. Uh, it was my one, you know, just, um, one-man band kind of thing. <laughs> and I, if I were smart uh, in the beginning, I would have just built a team and found like-minded people that wanted to do this with me and cared passionately about the issue. Um, just like-minded filmmakers. It's very hard to find in the filmmaking world, especially um, really talented filmmakers are often liberal and pro-choice, even in the Christian world. Um, but Or, or they was, lack
1: the courage, even if they are pro-life,
0: that's to right, dance around right. this third rail. Absolutely, absolutely. It's just they know... I mean, as entertainers, we we don't want to do things that are going to be unpopular or or um, ruffle feathers, or you know, we're we're here to have people like us, so to you know, a lot of a lot of filmmakers are, and so um, it goes against, and people don't want to be caught up in controversy and and uh, the whole politics of the Holly, you know, the film industry and the Hollywood industry. Um, and so, but God was gracious enough to, to connect me with really talented filmmakers that were on board. Um, I was working for a church, a big mega church here in San Diego um, as their primary video editor. I just found myself in 2018. And one of the video, one of the cin- cinematographers who was also working at the church I finally told him about the vision and he said, I've always thought this should be a documentary, you know? And so he ended up volunteering his time to film, to, um, film in large parts, the entire, most of the documentary uh, with me. Um, and I didn't have to pay him anything. He, he was just very, um, he was just very convinced that he was not going to charge me for this particular movie. Um, so that's, I mean, the Lord provided the people, but that's that's one thing that I, I learned absolutely is to surround yourself with like-minded teammates, uh, like-minded partners. And then the other thing is uh, I would not have marketed it early as early as I did. I spent a lot of time and money on um, trying to get the word out about this film. I would have put those resources into just the film Um, but I think I was trying to gain And I think that's when you thought I
1: was probably snobbing you but I was just like I'll be trust (laughs) me I'll be there when the time comes right yeah did did you ever think like I expected more help from Jason
0: well um or
1: movie to movement did you ever did ever because I felt that you felt or I was worried that you felt I was letting you down I'm like no we're gonna blast the heck out of our list and tell all our people about theaters like she doesn't even have distribution yet. You gotta, you can't right. wear people right. out. So did you ever think like, wow, right. movie to movement should be more engaged in my film? Tell the truth.
0: Well, I, <laughs> I, I, I did look at the website. I was curious, you know, I was interested to see if this was a possible partnership or, um, some, some sort of opportunity. But at that point I was so used to doors closing uh, and trusting in those doors closing to be uh, for a reason for a good reason. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really think of it as, ah, oh, Jason, come on, that get with jerk. the program. You're just like, that everyone's jerk. a
1: bunch of jerks. They're all jerks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was really just my own ignorance um, that I needed, I needed to get just, to uh, get the film made and into the right eyes first and distribution. So,
1: I use this expression, which Um, isn't probably good for a pro life movie. movie, But in the military, when you're in an ambush, you kill the target in front of you, and you keep moving until you're out of the ambush zone. You you know, keep killing targets, the target in front of you, until you're out of the ambush zone. And I always say, or I tell my team, we don't do big things around here; we do small things in order. You know, and that's filmmaking, right? It's a it's a lot of small things done in order, and um, yeah, but the. At least you were thinking about distribution and marketing. I find so many filmmakers, first-time filmmakers, they think they make a great movie, and they go, ta-da, and the world goes, amazing. (laughs) Let's go see that, (laughs) you know. Uh, At least you you had distribution and marketing on your mind, which I think most first-time filmmakers do not even think about at all.
0: Right. Yeah, I was thinking, well, I could self-distribute. I was learning all these things about self-distribution. Um, and I was, I was just a little bit, I was just in the dark about who would distribute this film. Um, that was very much an unknown world to me. And when you don't really know what questions to ask, <laughs> um, there's these unknown unknowns. Um, and so, um, and then in the you know bidding process or the, the pitching process, I should say, uh, that was a learning experience too, just knowing what distributors are out there. Even the Christian ones uh, that are not really willing to tackle this topic—that um, was a learning experience too. So, um, but yeah, in, in hindsight, I would have definitely kept a lot more quiet about the film until there was distribution.
1: Okay, so what's your next movie?
0: Um, I think there's there's a lot of ideas in my head about just important movies to make. And movies I want to make but I'm really asking God and the Holy Spirit to lead me to what he wants me to do first
1: finish so, this get across the end zone this with first.
0: this yeah
1: go take um, a, and then take then a vacation clarity. go to Hawaii
0: <laughs> swim in the ocean yeah.
1: and then come back and then figure it out
0: yeah I would like to just have some time to to really debrief and see where God is leading me to next with uh, filmmaking.
1: But are you going to continue as a filmmaker?
0: Yeah, I'm always a filmmaker at heart. Um, there's a lot of stories in there, imagination in there and documentaries in there too. Um, and I'm a video editor by trade, so that's my bread and butter. So I have really no choice. I'm just kidding. But no, that's um, great
1: though, because yeah. It allows you to develop projects. Again, remember, the average film is yeah. seven years. The average script from white page to completed script is six years. Average film from script to screen is seven. So we're looking at 13 years per project. Yeah. And so to yeah, have something like being a video editor is gives, you mm-hmm. know, you're in the industry, you're perfecting your craft, and you can kind of, if you don't want to go work for studios – But if you really want to develop projects from scratch, it gives you time to do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that reminds me, Father Stu, I think, took six years. I remember Mark Wahlberg on Fox News saying, he's been trying to get this off the ground for six years. And I thought, oh, wow. (laughs) I'm not alone. But, um, and, and that's, hollywood money and everything so james cameron um, took
1: 20 years after titanic success to do avatar yeah right so yeah, yeah no
0: yeah
1: what's great you about film really what's great about film and podcasting it's i think it's the same it's just tenacity mm-hmm. how many people do you know that started right. a podcast or are planning on podcasting or they're telling you they're going to be a podcaster or they're going to do a podcast <laughs> or they're doing a podcast and three months later where's that podcast Ah. Uh, Yeah. It's not, it's hard actually. Right. That's why when I did my show, I said, my show is going to be consistently inconsistent. (laughs) I'm going to do it when I can. and I'm never going to stop, but I travel a lot. My work's crazy, but I have a lot of beautiful, interesting friends that I want to share with the world. There's a lot of ideas I have. I want to talk about. I'll just do the show, see what happens. And, um, and so now we're going a couple of years. And last week we were in the top 100 podcasts in the world. That was kind of cool. I just got the The report today, a little weird and, and making movies. I tell people to be a producer. Now you do everything. That's something I noticed when the credits rolled. I'm like, wow, she did it all herself. Um, you know, but I'm a producer and as a producer, the only skill you need, this is what I tell people you can disagree with me. I say you just need to be shameless and tenacious. If you're those two things, you're going to make a movie. And a team builder. You have to, you have to, I, because I have no talent, none, not in my pinky toe, I have to surround myself with very talented people. Then I have to be shameless and goad them into disaster. You know, when you ask people to make a pro-life film, especially if they have had a career before, you know, you're asking them to roll the dice with their future. I'm willing to do that. And, um, and you just like you, I, I watched you by the way, I watched you the whole time. And I said, okay, Aww. I watched you. I was paying attention. I'm like, is this girl going to quit? <laughs> you know, we had COVID.
0: <laughs> we had it
1: all, right? Oh, yeah. We had it all. Like you had every, like we had two movies very similar moving forward at the exact same time. And that was one of the reasons why I didn't, I was kind of standoffish with you is I didn't want you to look at my film. If I saw your film, read your script and accuse me of stealing something, you know? And yeah, uh, so sure. I, I had to be very careful, but we had two similar films going forward at around the same time and we had all the same obstacles and I've been through this before so I know I know the deal I know you know we're gonna get punched in the nose it's gonna be one headache after another Uh, I've been through the the William Wilberforce rolling around in the grass we're making a movie it's gonna be amazing too like I'm dying young um but
0: but There's we made a movie starting up all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: exactly. So I've been through it. I was watching you. I was like, okay. And after our film was completed and released, I watched your film and I told you I loved it. And then, um, but I, I, I was watching the distribution struggles and I said, yes. "Will she will she quit. And by God's <laughs> timing, by God's grace, your film is coming out at exactly the perfect time. And why I think it's so perfect next week, May 16th and 17th, um, why I think that's the perfect time is it's probably exactly four weeks to the day of when the um, the row will be reversed. And there's a lot of people trying to divide us as a country. And um, what will keep us united as a people is reason and truth and charity and thoughtfulness and that's what your film presents it's thoughtful it's charitable to both sides uh it's very reasoned and very clear it doesn't leave anything on the table you don't run from the hard issues and so this is the type of film that i want everyone you know everyone needs to watch pro-life pro-choice and, and a lot of pro-lifers get mad at me for using that but look I get mad when they call me an anti-woman or whatever they call us, right? If they want to call themselves that, I'm going to call them that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I want everyone to watch this film. And uh, I think it's just the perfect timing. And I hope you have a big May 16th and 17th, which leads to uh, multiple releases leading up to um, and through June. Yes,
0: thank you. I really appreciate that. Praying for that. Uh, we need to fill the seats. People need to come, even if you know everything there is to know. Uh, you're staunchly pro-life and unapologetically pro-life, and don't need to hear the information again. Please come and fill, help fill these seats. Tell the world and tell the theaters that this is so important. The abortion issue. Um, this is a. This is uh, also a great film you can bring for your friends and family that are on the fence or maybe even they their pro-choice. You want to bring those people that are not going to be antagonistic against you, but um, they're willing to, to be changed. They're willing to be educated. Um, so please come out um, for May 16th and 17th and just make your voice heard with this, with this film release. It's a really powerful message.
1: Yeah. And to your point about like knowing it all, like I'm sure people will say, I don't need to learn anything new. I, I feel that way too. I've been in the movement 32 years. But just because you think, or I think, we think we know it all, what we have to acknowledge is we don't know how to communicate to everyone perfectly in a very persuasive way to everyone of every tribe all the time. I mean, that would be no one, no one could admit that. And what this film does, what it did for me is um, I, I think it gave me some new ways to communicate to folks what I already know in a way that would be more persuasive. And so yeah, if you're sitting, oh like, that's good. Yeah, I, I know it all. Well, yeah, maybe, but do you know how to mm-hmm. do you know how to communicate what you know in a way that's very persuasive, um, and to everybody, right? No, of course not. Mm-hmm. No, none of us do. Mm-hmm. Uh, my degree, I went to college and got my master's degree in communications to learn, study propaganda theory, to learn how to persuade people more efficiently. Um, and, and I'm always learning. Right. And and it really has to do more with empathy to know where people are really coming from. And they don't, people don't tell you where they're really coming from. So one has to be very thoughtful and very humble and, and we can learn. And I learned a lot from this film. What I learned most was, I think it's going to give me new ways to try to communicate in a, in in a way that's more thoughtful and persuasive. So, um, Tracy, I just, I, I can't thank you enough for the hard, hard, hard work there's I don't I mean making a movie is a really hard thing. Distributing a film is even harder. And you've made a beautiful film. It's going to be on over six hundred screens. Is that correct?
0: Yes. Yes. Very exciting. Across the nation. Yeah. And people can go to matteroflife.org. Um not com, but matteroflife.org to um, go to that link, the ticket link, and look for theaters in their area. Or they can go to fathomevents.com. But, yeah. So is it Matter of Life
1: or The Matter of Life?
0: Either one.
1: Okay. So matteroflife.org. And I say buy as many tickets as you can. Like, I love hosting people to the movies. And it's just a great thing. And so if you can, buy at the a theater, invite your entire Knights of Columbus Council, your, all your friends and family. Bring your young people. How young would you say you can bring someone to this?
0: I recommend age 12 and up.
1: 12 and up. Got it. I think that's good. I think that's what we're doing. So my kids 12 and up are yeah. coming. And, we're inv- and and I'll send an email out to my church community saying we're going to buy out as many screens as we can get. Um, what I'm doing, though, this is a trick, Tracy. I don't know if you know this trick. And I want people listening. If you're going to buy out a screen, don't buy them all out because we want folks who are really eager to go. So I always leave about 15 seats. Um, but then I line up people in the queue that want to go. And then I'll get them for them at the theater, whatever's left. Um, but you should always leave some seats available for the people who are really eager who want to go and aren't thinking a week ahead to buy out the theater. But, um, you know, I'm going to buy out as many theaters as I can, and invite all of my friends and family, because your film is now going to be a part of history. It's kind of neat.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I really hope it has that ripple effect and that impact. Um, I really hope that it saves, I, and I know it'll save a lot of lives. And that's really what's most important.
1: We didn't even mention that. That is true. <laughs> that's the best yeah. part about making a film like this. It's going to save so many lives forever, as long as people are watching it.
0: That's right. Generations of lives. Absolutely.
1: So let me ask you a question. I'm about to land the plane, but before I let you go, do you, what kind of pillow do you have? Pillow? Yeah. What kind of pillow do you have?
0: Uh, is this a Mike Lindell commercial?
1: It might be a Mike Lindell. I might be bringing you in <laughs> to a Mike Lindell. You might be entering a Mike Lindell commercial. Yeah, I just pity I don't have you a, a promo big. Code yet. I well, my promo code is Jones, and so <laughs> if you don't have my pillow, you're a big shot director. Now you have your movie in 600 screens. You're living the high life. You need to go to MyPillow.com, dot com. Use the code Jones. But but because it's buy one get one month. You can get the Giza Dream Sheets for you, and then your your you know your dad Father's Day is coming up. But I'm just saying, you don't have my pillow yet. That's unbelievable.
0: I actually do have a my pillow, um, and this is not. You didn't pay me to say this. Um, I have one of those body pillows. Okay. And it's just the, it's the best purchase I've ever made in my bed, in my bedroom at least. It's um, it. it yeah, it's huggable and it's soft and it's actually yeah. My mom bought it for me, <laughs> so she sponsored. She sponsored the My Pillow in my life. Oh, that's awesome!
1: Well, if you think that body pillow, which is a great purchase, but it's by far not the best product at MyPillow.com, dot com. It's awesome, but the mattress topper is the best. So if you were on the mattress topper with your body pillow, come on, that's Nirvana. And then you have the uh, Giza Dream sheets. Now oh, I you don't have those. Oh, you need the Giza Dream sheets especially with summer <laughs> barreling down on us. Hot, hot summer and you don't have Giza Dream sheets. I don't I don't know if you can if you if you didn't figure that out yet, you're in trouble. You got to get Giza Dream sheets before sun. it's 100 degrees already today where I am in the hill country of Texas. Oof. And I'm just grateful I have the Giza Dream sheets. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got one more question for you. This is a big day on the Jason Jones show. Big day! Not only do we get to interview you, but it's the first day I get to announce my next sponsor.
0: Oh, mm. <laughs> are you ready?
1: Do you, ready as I'll ever be. Do you read Epic Times?
0: I do. Well, is I it love not? Epic Times. Epic Times is the best, yeah, right? I'm liking. I'm liking all of your sponsors today, Jason. Well,
1: if you too bad you have a subscription because if you go to ireadepic.com and use the code Jason Jones, Jones for the pillow, Jason Jones for Epic Times, you get 20% off.
0: Ooh, yeah, too bad I already have a subscription.
1: Yeah, you can lay so
0: much from them.
1: No, Epic Times, have they covered your movie yet?
0: Oh, no, not yet. I
1: I need to ping them. I'm going to ping them.
0: But if they list... If they listen to this, they probably, possibly might.
1: <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to ping them right now. No, I am a huge Please Epic do. Times That'd fan. Awesome. I think they are the single most important news source in the world for those oh, yeah. of us who want to battle back tyranny, promote a culture of life. And uh, so I am fight just.
0: Communism.
1: Fight communism. You're the best, Tracy. <laughs> yeah, so this I'm going to picture you now. You're going to be sitting there with your body pillow. Drinking chamomile tea, reading epic times. There you have it. <laughs> that's
0: right. That, that is a lot of my life.
1: Is that, That's the great life. You know, that's the great life. We have to fill our lives with beauty. And, um,
0: and spraying beekeeper spray, but that's not one of your.
1: Oh, favorites. do you want to share people with that little secret I shared with you? We should get yeah, them to sponsor the so, show.
0: <laughs> I know. Probably
1: not a huge audience <laughs> for this.
0: I know. Yeah, bee, beekeeper spray. Um, it helps laryngitis. So, and that recommended by Jason Jones, and it actually worked.
1: Yeah, it's what bees spray to keep their hives um, clean. Um, when you spray them, when you lost, I've, you lose your voice completely. Your voice is gone. You can't talk. Da da da. Two sprays, your voice is one hundred percent back. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, it was where, pretty cool.
1: Where did you get yours?
0: Sprout. uh, health food
1: store right on right on Mm -hmm. well now you know well tracy i'm gonna land the plane and um thanks jason i'm gonna ask people behind your back to go support your movie some more and uh call it a day
0: thanks so much jason i appreciate your support
1: all right thank you tracy aloha aloha
0: All all
1: right guys what a great interview With a great director, producer. She produced her own movie. She directed it. She produced it. That is a big lift. And documentaries, in many ways, because the teams are smaller, and you're dealing with real people, and if a documentary is interesting, you're dealing with things that are very um, uh, sensitive. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Intimate. And uh, so producing and directing a documentary, in my mind, is actually... A greater challenge than a narrative feature film, and I think maybe many people would say, "Huh, that doesn't seem to make sense." The budgets are smaller, da da da. No, 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 because it's it's real stories of real people, and you want to, and everyone has their side of the story, and so when you do a documentary, it's very challenging. So to be the director and the producer. That's a big, big lift, and Tracy did an, an incredible job. And I think because this is such an intimate topic, the topic of abortion, uh, it, it served her well being the director and the producer um, because then she only had to have her internal disputes with herself instead of wrestling with other producers. And what, what, what you get is one of the best uh, documentaries I've ever seen in my life. The Matter of Life, guys, Now I'm serious. you got to go to their website, thematteroflife.org, And find out where it's playing in your community. Go see it. Bring your friends. I am definitely going. Also, I forgot to tell you about our big sponsor, of course, the Vulnerable People Project. And it is our mission to stand in solidarity with the vulnerable, the most vulnerable people in the world. From the child in the womb to children with Down syndrome that are now in our shelters in Ukraine. To the families that we have in our safe houses in Afghanistan and Pakistan. Uh, to the Uyghur community in Chinese occupied East Turkestan, 3 million in concentration camps. Uh, it is not hyperbole to say that the Vulnerable People Project is at the vanguard of defending those vulnerable communities. And when you become a monthly donor at thegreatcampaign.org, you are standing shoulder to shoulder with the most vulnerable people in the world. And I cannot thank you enough. This podcast has been uh, what has led to our, our, a great increase in, in donations. And and it's what has allowed us to, in the past year, keep over over 350,000 people alive through the winter in Afghanistan through our food and coal distribution uh, and funded all of our evacuations. Just today, I bought a refrigerated truck for Ukraine. We now have ambulances in Ukraine, vans, trucks, uh, refrigerated trucks, and uh, they're hauling insulin and food all over the country. And that is thanks to you. Go to thegreatcampaign.org if that isn't you yet and... uh, Join the team. All right, until next time, it's the Jason Jones
0: Show. This has been the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media.